Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. Oh, welcome everyone. I'm so glad you're here today. And right now, I want to extend a special welcome to our brand new friends at Oak Park Resort Living Retirement Community over off South Mason Road. So you may not know this, but Tennyson Smith, our prayer and care pastor, has been working with Oak Park for about the six past six months. And today, for the very first time, they are live streaming today's message. So they're there and we're here together in real time. So I just want to say, hey, welcome to you guys out there. It's so exciting what uh, they've been doing. Thank you, Tennyson, and thank you, Colt. Our media pastor has been working really hard to do that. And so what God wants to do with this technology and this availability is very cool. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. But today, we're starting a brand new series called God Never Said That. Now, there's a lot of pop theology that's floating around in our world that's, that's found its way a lot of times even into churches. And, you know, it basically takes things that sound really nice and then people attributed it to God, but God never actually says that. You know, we hear it in coffee shops and in break rooms and park benches, living rooms, on Facebook, you know, Hobby Lobby, pretty much anywhere people gather to talk, they have these little sayings that sound like God said it, but he didn't. And, you know, it's, it's things like this, like God helps those who help themselves, right? You, you've heard that one before, or, or how about this one? Everything happens for a reason. It's all in God's plan. And, and we deliver these, maybe you've said it sometimes, and we say it in times we really, we have good intentions, and it sounds good, but it's just not true. And it actually paints an inaccurate picture of who God is. So for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about some of these lies, some of these myths, and we're just going to debunk them for what they are and instead put our focus on what God really did say and how he wants us to live. So today's lie is this. I just want you to be happy. Well, God never said that. He never said, I want you to be happy. So just by a show of hands, how many of you people around the room, somebody has told you that God just wants you to be happy? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, we've heard it all the time. I've heard it, okay? And it sounds really reasonable though, doesn't it? Like God did not create us to be miserable, right? So if he didn't create us to be miserable, he must have created us to be happy. I mean, that's an easy leap. That's very logical, but it's just not true. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. God is the giver of all good gifts. He created you and he loves you and he loves it when you're happy. But your happiness is not his primary goal for you. That's not what God set out to do in your life. So there's some dangers to believing the lie that God just wants you to be happy. You know, what, what are these dangers? Because when we buy into them, it's going to disrupt and disrail our relationship with God. So, what's the danger of believing the lie? Number one, this is your first fill-in on your message notes, is I sell my birthright for a bowl of soup. I sell my birthright for a bowl of soup. Let me explain. 
In the Bible, in Genesis chapter 25, is the story of two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Now, Esau is the older brother, and by Jewish custom, he's entitled to the birthright. And birthright basically just means like you're the, you're the heir of your father's land, of his holdings, his estate, his position, all of that. You become the heir. So kind of like Prince William and Prince Harry, okay? So if the throne becomes vacated from Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles, then Prince William is the one that will be named king before Prince Harry, right? So that's kind of the same, kind of the same thing here, just on a smaller family scale. So anyway, we have the story of Jacob and Esau, and in chapter 25, we, saw, we see Esau making a critical decision. Look what it says in verse 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. Now, I've eaten some pretty good food in my time. But ain't nothing worth giving up my future. Bobby Flake and kiss my grits. <laughs> Lentil stew, lobster bisque, it don't matter. It ain't happening. But Esau was only interested in one thing. And that was making himself happy. And at that moment, he was hangry. And he needed something to eat. So he chose that over his birthright. A few thousand years later, we see what the cost of that is. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Did you notice who was listed after Isaac? It was Jacob, his brother. By birthright, that should have been Esau's name. It should have been Esau after Isaac. But Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup. That he was hungry in the moment, and chances are, four or five hours later, he's hungry again. And really, I mean, who am I kidding? It was lentil stew. 30 minutes later, he was hungry again, right? He gave up his birthright. He gave up the opportunity for all that God wanted to accomplish through Abraham's line. He gave it up to Jacob because in that moment, that's what made him happy. And when we choose happiness over all else, when we choose pursuing that, our thinking becomes tainted and we miss what God has in store for us. Because happiness, happiness is circumstantial. Whatever is going on around us can make us happy or make us sad. Our emotions go up and down. It's not what we can hang our hat on. And when we chase happiness, we miss out what God has planned for us. You know, maybe there's a new phone coming out and you want it because it looks good. And listen, I love me some tech. 
So you go spend $800 on a brand new phone, but then when it comes time to sign up for the mission trip to go bring clean water to people in a third world country who don't have it, well, you can't do that because you've spent the money on what made you happy. And you miss the blessing. You miss how God's going to change your life. Or maybe you just, you, you're in love with your boyfriend. And so you make the decision and give in and have premarital sex. And instead of enjoying the, the married life where the husband and the wife are only intimate with each other, instead you bring sexual baggage into your marriage. Or, or your wife nags you all the time and you're unhappy and it makes you weary. But that girl down the hall in accounting, she smiles a lot. And you know what? When you talk, she really understands you. You know what? She must be your soulmate. And then you choose to have an affair, which leads to a divorce, which leads to missing out on the blessing that only comes from being married for a long time and struggling through all the hard times together. When you choose what makes you happy in the moment, you are ignoring the future plans that God has for you. And with happiness as your primary goal, if that's your radar, if that's your compass by which you guide your life, then you end up with this philosophy. If it makes me happy, it's right. If it makes me unhappy, it's wrong. We've seen this thought process all over America. Back when I was young, it went like this. If it feels good, do it. Right? Many of you grew up hearing that. Well, that's not unique to our generation. It's been happening for a long time, but it's changed and morphed a little bit every time. And now in society, it sounds a whole lot better. All right? It's, it's turned into this. You do you. You do you, boo. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy, you do you. Dress how you want to dress. It doesn't matter if it's lewd or inappropriate or gross. You do you. It's okay if you cuss. No big deal. That's part of our language now. You're just expressing yourself. You do you, boo. You do you. That attitude and mindset has spread like kudzu in the Georgia heat. It's everywhere across our society infiltrating us. And there is untold amounts of wickedness and evil that gets validated with the stamp of approval of you do you. If it makes you happy, that's you. You do it. Go for it. You do you, boo. That mindset, so destructive and it changes you it changes your thinking it changes how you act and it leads you to the next step and that's number two on your message notes is this i treat my heavenly father like a vending machine when you believe happiness is it and only what makes you happy is good god becomes a glorified vending machine for you you go to him just like you'd walk up. I put my quarters in. I punch Dr. Pepper. Out should come the Dr. Pepper. And when you do that, when you adopt that mindset, your philosophy really becomes this. 
If God's purpose is to make me happy, then God exists to serve me. If God's purpose is to make me happy, if that's what this is all about, then really God exists to serve me. Now, actually, the opposite to that is true. We actually were created and exist to serve and glorify God. But that's what the evil one does. He takes what God creates and he turns it upside down. And when life gets uncomfortable and unpleasant and we become unhappy as life inevitably does, all of a sudden we start feeling that God failed us. Because I put my money in. I punched the Dr. Pepper button. I should get the Dr. Pepper. And you start to hear things like, you know, I tried God for a while, but my mom still died, so whatever. Or, look, I prayed to God a lot. I even started going to church, but I still don't have a job. So this God thing, it don't work. Or, look, I give money to the church. All right, I even support a kid through World Vision, some kid off in Africa. I don't even know where he is, but I give money. But you know what? I still got cancer. What's up with that? Thanks, God. And that attitude crawls in. And we end up feeling that God is not worth following, like he didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Because we believe that God exists to serve us and make us happy. And those are some extreme examples, but you know, really it infiltrates its way down in our thinking in just little small things. So for instance, last week we were driving along the road and, and Andrea, my wife, was on Instagram, which she generally does when we drive because apparently my driving makes her fear for her life. So if she can be zoned in on Instagram, she's good. But we learned that a, a kid that we used to know, and I guess actually he's not even a kid, he was, he was a young man, uh, but a kid that we knew from back when we were in the Dallas area uh, was killed in a car accident uh, over the weekend. And he was a great kid. He was serving as a student ministry intern at his church. He led worship for them. He had done great amounts of good for the kingdom, and his future had nothing but good written all over it. And when I heard that, we paused for a moment, and out of my mouth came this. I said, why does God always take the good ones? I'm a pastor. I've been a Christ follower for a long time. And God just kind of thunked me in the head when I said that. And you know, it's always fun to get, have a moment from the Lord like this when you're about to teach on something. You're like, dang it. But in that moment, God was like, I'm not your vending machine. It's not all about what makes you happy. I had to check my attitude because in that moment, I was very displeased with what God had done. Many people will refuse to trust God or will choose to walk away from him because of some hurt that they feel or something that they see or perceive. And maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you read your Bible you know, weekly, and you come to church, you've joined a small group. Maybe you tithe, like you do all the things that you're supposed to do as a Christ follower. But that doesn't mean that you're never going to have a bad day. It doesn't mean that you won't experience hurt, that the people you love won't experience hurt. It doesn't mean that you'll never get fired. All it means is that sinful things 
in a sinful world happen. Bad things happen to good people. We know this. As a matter of fact, it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God knows that we're going to have struggles and we're going to have trials. And that's part of what makes him such a good heavenly father is that he allows them to happen because of that scripture. Because trials produce character and perseverance and hope which leads us to Jesus Christ. God knows that choosing only happiness would just spoil us. Like a kid that gets everything they want, we would begin to think that everything revolves around us. But that's not what he does. Now, some of you in this room uh, have not yet chosen to put your life in Jesus' hands, to trust him with your life and follow him. And listen, if that's you today, then living for your own happiness makes perfect sense. Because after all, without Jesus, without the Bible, why not? What else do you have to look forward to? Live for your own happiness. But here's the thing. You will never find enough happiness to fill the void that's in your life. Because the only thing that can fill that void is Jesus. That's the reason that rich people and poor people are equally unhappy. It's the reason that people who have fame and a future seek drugs and alcohol, just like the guy who's homeless and lives under a bridge. We're trying to fill the void with things and stuff, but only Jesus can fill that void. And if right now, inside you know what void I'm talking about, then that's the Holy Spirit who's telling you that you need to stop trying to fill that void with stuff, people, and things and fill it with Jesus Christ. And you don't have to have all the answers right now. That's totally okay. But you know you need a change. And that change is Jesus. So at the bottom of your message notes, on the back, there's a sample prayer that you can pray. And scripture tells us, if you pray that prayer and you mean those words, then today, Jesus will forgive your sin and you will become a Christ follower. And I want to encourage you to do that because when you make that choice from now until the end of your days, you can stop chasing happiness and start pursuing Jesus. And that leads us really to the truth of what God really did say, because he didn't say, I want you to be happy, but he said this, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. You see, the lie that God just wants you to be happy, really, it started with this, that God wants you to be blessed. Because when we say the word blessed, don't we generally think, if I'm blessed, I have plenty of money, great health, and no problems? Isn't that generally our definition of blessed? So all of those things make us happy, therefore God must want us to be happy. But that's not it. In probably his most famous teaching, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about what it is to be blessed. And he lists off a whole list of things 
that, that are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And then he finishes up with this, Matthew 5, 11. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed, all those things. They don't all sound like blessings until we understand what Scripture is saying there. Now, this is where English fails us. Because the word in the original language that is, the, that is there for blessed, we don't have a word that means that in English. So the original word is makarios in Greek. And here's what it means. This is a great description. Um, Transcendent happiness of a life beyond care, labor, or death. Transcendent happiness. That sounds a lot more descriptive to me than blessed. Because happiness is dependent on your circumstances. But Transcendent happiness transcends the circumstances so that you are blessed regardless of what is happening around you. Because blessed doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. Blessed means that you have Jesus to walk through the problems with you and provide you transcendent happiness and joy that goes above whatever circumstances you're experiencing now. That is the state of blessed. And how we get there is your last film of the day. Number two is I must delight myself in the Lord. I must delight myself in the Lord. Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let's read that scripture together. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We're going to do that again, even you people at Oak Park. Here we go. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you catch the order that that was in? First, delight yourself in the Lord. Second, you will have the desires of your heart. And that is the crux of the problem of chasing happiness. It's not bad to be happy or to want to be happy. But when we put our happiness first, that's when it becomes a problem. That's when we get in trouble. Because God did not design our happiness and the transcendent happiness of the blessed state to go in that order. Now, again, English fails us a little bit here because of the word delight. Because when what we picture in our head as delight is not really what's being said here. So in the original language, the word used for delight means take your pleasure in. Take your pleasure in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Changes the whole verse, doesn't it? Take your pleasure in the Lord and the things that delight him. And you will have the desires of your heart. Now again, don't hear what I'm not saying. It doesn't mean that you're going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be a Maserati with a big red bow parked in your, park, in your driveway. 
It's not going to happen. But what it means is, when you take your pleasure in the Lord and the things of the Lord, then what's important to the Lord is going to infiltrate down into you and your desires are going to start to shift and mold to what the Lord takes pleasure in. Because God is all about accomplishing His will on the earth. And when you start to take delight in the things that are important to Him and in His will, then it shapes your desires and you get them. And your desires of your heart are fulfilled when you genuinely pray for His will above yours. Back when I was a worship pastor, I used to diligently pray for wisdom and direction as I, as I crafted the worship service and as I selected music and as I selected the drama script or the video or the, the whatever we did to create the worship experience. And then we would get together as a worship team on Wednesday night and before we rehearsed, we would pray diligently for God's creativity and his favor as we prepared. But Sunday morning, our prayer changed. It was different and it went a little something like this. God, we commit this morning to you and we ask you to use us to lead your people to encounter you so that they can walk away changed. And God, if it brings you more glory for us to crash and burn, then please do so. Now that sounds a little odd for a musician to pray to crash and burn. But we as a team had reached that point where we really desired God's will over us sounding good. And I'm going to tell you, there were some mornings that we crashed and burned. There were some mornings that it didn't go so well. Somebody's in-ear monitor went out or something happened somewhere. Somebody's microphone. I mean, all sorts of stuff happened. And I kid you not, those are the days that people would seek me out after and they would say, I really could sense the presence of God this morning. I really knew the Holy Spirit was there. The, the music, it just moved me on days that we thought we had just done horrible. To the best of our ability, we messed up. But God was glorified in that. So that, I don't lead worship that often anymore. But that concept has traveled with me. Whenever I get up to speak this morning, as a matter of fact, I prayed that same prayer. That God, if you will receive more glory from me getting up here and sounding like a buffoon, then so be it. That being said, if I sound like an idiot today, it's God's fault. <laughs> oh... I'm kidding. Um, delight yourself in the Lord. The more you delight yourself and take your pleasure in the Lord, then His will will be wrap around you and mold you. So what are the desires of your heart today? Are they aligned with the desires of God's heart? Uh, are you seeking His kingdom first? Are you praying for your enemies? Are you living for God's glory in your marriage or in your parenting, in your job, in your school, or in your free time, is really the delighting in the Lord, taking pleasure in the things that God finds important. How would your life change if that was your goal? If you delighted yourself in the Lord, what would that look like? 
Because God desires for your life to be blessed, not shackled by the pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness is the declaration of independence. Pursuing Jesus and being blessed, that's what God's all about. Bow your heads and let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for your word, God, which transcends pop culture and and all the philosophy and all the stuff that people throw out there that they blame you. God, I pray for all of us in this room right now, God, uh, for those at Oak Park. God, we are inundated every day with messages about seeking happiness in stuff and in relationships and in everything but you. Lord, God, I pray you would lead us to seek after you and to take our delight in you, Father, so that we can be blessed. Father, may you bring us happiness, but only in as much as it aligns with your will and your plan. God, mold our desires to be yours. And God, we commit today to chase after you and only you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.